praise you in this house tonight, Lord. You're so amazing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, glory. I think I've forgotten how to preach. It's been so long. Yeah, but get your Bibles out anyway. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Always get great messages when I go away. Quit thinking about everything. And either that or being on the airplane causes me so close to be with God. (laughs) And not for the reasons that you would think. Praise God. And so we don't understand a lot of times the things that happens in the spirit. Because we're natural people. You know, we're thinking totally natural. You're thinking about work. How are you going to naturally not get shocked by this power you can't see called electricity? Right? Isn't that funny? You do it. You, 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 if I, and you're sitting here on the front row tonight. Of all the things, uh, you just think about this. You do a job. You work with something you can't see. You ever think about that? You work with a force that you can't see that if you don't handle it correctly, it'll kill you. Electricity. Think about that. You can't walk up to it and see if it's hot. Do like I do, stick the screwdriver in it and see if it's hot. David always gives me a hard time about that. He got mad at me one time because I was always sticking a screwdriver in the socket to see if it was hot. And he was like, you can't do that. Here, let me get you a tester. So he bought me a tester. He had a little bitty old probes on about like that. So I stuck it into the box and didn't realize that the side of the probe was touching the side of the box when I stuck it in there. So it, I was just that much closer to it. Sometimes I said, man, you forget that mess. I like my screwdriver about that long. <laughs> but you deal with a force you can't see. Yet you know it. You believe it. I mean, you go up to it, and if you take your little meter and you put it on there, and it says there's 440 in there, I mean, you respect it. You trust the meter's right. Right? But you can't see it. So I want to talk to you about those kind of lines tonight. So Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Familiar passage of Scripture. It says, The Word of God's living is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Word of God is living. Amen? We know this Scripture. Sometimes I think too familiar. We quote it too easy, like, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You know? We, John 3.16, we, we get too familiar with it. We just quote it as rote, not really thinking about what is the word saying. Well, it says the word of God is living, it's powerful. The word of God is alive. Everybody say the word of God's alive. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing in the division of the soul and spirit, the joints of the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So there's nothing that can stop the word of God. The word of God can cut through anything. That's right. And so, the, but the word of God, I don't, the point I want to get to right now on this point is that it's alive. Everybody say it's alive. alive. Now, think about that. I mean, we could go back into Genesis and see that God created the heavens and the earth and all they're in, you know, and He spoke the world into existence and all this kind of stuff. But just think about this. Everything that's going on in this world, things that are taking place, all have to do with words. Now, at don't anybody get mad. Don't throw anything. It's just what I'd read. Just, you know, whatever. The same old thing. Y'all have heard this before that the average man speaks 25,000 words in a day and the average woman speaks 50. Just is. Okay? So I took the low figure of 25 and I started trying to figure that out how many words that is. 
And then I took it and multiplied it times 7 billion people. To just think about what's being said in the whole world at all the time. So that figures out to be 126 billion words spoken every minute. So it's like going out and looking at the sky and looking at all the stars all around us and seeing all the... That's more than that of words out there. Words being spoken, words being loose. Some words, words, just words. Some words ugly, some words good, some words full of faith, some words full of doubt, some words full of fear, but just words flying out that keep going. Now, you think about this. Don't need a show of hands. Don't need anybody to say anything to me or anything. I'm just I'm throwing questions out to you, but I don't need answers. You've got them in your own heart. Has anyone ever spoken to you in life something ugly and it's still with you? So would not that be a living word? Still have an effect on your life, still having, you know, and on the other end of it, has someone spoken positive to, positively to you? And that still has a bearing on you when you are going to do something, you think back about some good word that was spoken to you that gives you confidence to walk into whatever you're going to do, so therefore you feel that rich. Is that not a living word on the inside of you? But God's word has the power to literally create. But then again, so does man's word because we're created in the image of God. So somebody spoke something ugly to you in life, something harsh, something rash to you, that word could still be having an effect upon you today unless you've been to freedom prayer and gotten set free from that. The word's still talking to you, and it's still creating in you a negative way of handling things, right? Brings up fears in you, brings up concerns, brings up worries in you. Okay, so just imagine, this is just, I'm talking to just y'all tonight, but imagine there's 126 billion words loosed every minute doing something. That's the real point I'm trying to get across to you. There's 126 billion words out there in the world going around there doing something. Positive, negative, or just neutral. So that gets kind of scary. And then again, you get to thinking about how big God's job is to try to take care of this in a day. Right? Now, look at Hebrews 4.1. Ah. Hebrews 4.1, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, least let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard, they didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Okay, so wait a minute. Now we see a key here to getting God's word effectively working in your life, because all of a sudden it says if you mix faith with God's word, then it comes alive. So let me ask you this. Again, you don't have to answer me. Answer in your own head. Do you feel that Jesus' words would be more powerful in your life if he was physically standing here talking to you versus you just read his word in the Bible? Would it have more of an effect on your life? So in other words, if he walked up to you, like you could go to a Jesus meeting, right? And, and he was really there and you went up and you could go up there and he could say, be healed or eyes be opened or whatever, whatever 
you know, words you're needing, would it be more powerful, more effective in your life? Would you put more faith in it if you heard him, if you saw him standing there saying it to you versus you're reading it in the Bible and knowing that he did say it? Okay? So I just want you to think about that for a minute. Because it really shouldn't be. Because the Word of God is the Word of God. He either is or it isn't. The same word that saved you is the same word that will have any other effect in your life. So if we're in here tonight and you know you're born again and you know Jesus loves you and he saved you and delivered you from your life of sin, well, then there's not any difference. You believe that word, you could believe any word. Right? So if you know that salvation is real, you know that Jesus is real because of the salvation that's on the inside of you, you know at least that part, well, then you've really got it all covered. You've already believed his word and it's had an effect within your life and you do know it whether you physically met him or not. There's nothing in here that's any different. If you go read Matthew 6 and he says, don't worry. Don't worry. I've got it, I've got it taken care of. Don't worry about the, what you're going to wear, what you're going to put on. Don't worry about that. I'm not, I take care of the sparrows. I'm going to take care of you. That's no different than saying, if you believe that I'm the son of God and confess your sins, I'll be faithful and just to forgive you your sins. You see what I'm saying? There's no difference. You can't say, well, you know, there's a degree. No, you can't get in that. It's just all the same. It is or it isn't. His word is true or his word isn't. His word is either powerful and living and a two-edged sword, or it's not. The only difference is, are we mixing faith with what he said in one instance, and we're not mixing faith with what he said in another instance? Because his word's the same, and his word's true, and his word's going out, and his word's powerful, and it's going to go do whatever it's supposed to go out and do, and there's nothing going to stop it except you. Okay? Now go to Genesis chapter 15. Let me show you something. It does help when you can look back into the future. I mean, back into the past, excuse me, than trying to look into the future. Yeah, how can you look back into the future? Excuse me, the past. Right? And we know the story of Abraham. And we know the story that, of what God did through Abraham. And we know that the whole Jewish nation, even today, all looks to Abraham, right? As the father of the nation over there, Abraham. We sing children's songs, Father Abraham had many sons, right? And so we do all this stuff. We, we, we know that to be true that God took a man and a woman who were having no children and they birthed forth a nation. We can look back in all the, the, the thousands of years of history and see the whole nation, how it got birthed and what happened, who did what and whatever. We can go read through Genesis. We can go find out all this stuff and we can see that it happened, right? So what God said to Abraham was true when he said, I want to make you a mighty nation, right? There's no doubt. There's nobody can sit here and say, well, that doesn't really true or whatever. No, that is the truth. God said he was going to do it, and God did it. So we can say God held up his word, right? Well, it happened right here in Genesis 15. So let's just start reading verse 1. And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. What came to him in a vision? The word, right? And he said, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. You're exceeding great reward. Okay. But Abraham said, Lord, what will you give me seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Isn't it funny that God comes to him and says, hey, don't fear. I'm your shield and you're exceeding great reward. And he says, yeah, but 
what are you going to give me? Okay? Then Abraham said, look, you have given me no offspring, and one born in my house, so does my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him again, saying, this one shall not be your heir, but the one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside, he looked towards the heaven to count the stars that they were able to number them. And he said to them, so shall your descendants be. Now right there, he stuck with it. Right? The word's been issued, just what I talked about in Hebrews 4. The word has been issued to Abraham. He's heard the word. The word's his. The word's there. But then he has to mix faith with it in order for it to come and have an effect in his life, right? So it says in verse 6, and he believed the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. So Abraham came to this point. He spoke to him, said, you see the stars, see everything going up there? Okay, I see it. Boom. I believe you're right, Lord. That's going to be. And his righteousness is brought on the inside. And then he said to him, I'm the Lord who brought you up out of the earth of Chaldees to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord, how shall I know that I'm going to inherit it? What, what could he going to give me a sign? How, how am I going to really know I'm going to inherit this? I mean, I'm thinking Abraham is like right on the, right on the edge of just getting smoked, seems to me. Then he brought him all to the east to him. No, wait, wait, excuse me. Excuse me. And the Lord said, and he, and he said, Lord, how shall I know that I will inherit this? Verse 9. And he said, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought out all these to him, and he cut them in two down the middle, and, the, and placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. Okay, now just stop right there for a second. You know, I want you to stop for a minute and imagine this picture. Yes, it was a bloody scene. But he, they split them down the middle, right? Open up through their chest cavity, just like gutting a deer. Split them down through the middle. Now, something unusual... Y'all may laugh at me, whatever. I don't want to hear any comments from any of you tonight, so don't give me any. When I was growing up, my father, when we skinned a deer, we always hung it by the head. And literally not till I moved to Utopia did I ever see anybody hang a deer upside down by the hind legs. I, I, I don't know. I don't know who's right. I don't guess anybody's right. But we always had our deer hung by the head. Didn't make any difference if it was a doe or a buck. Daddy took his lasso out, threw it up over this pecan limb that was always right there in the, in the, in the middle of the yard, came down, put the, if it was a buck, you put the lasso on his horns. We pulled him up, tied it off around the pecan tree, and the deer's hanging with his head up, his feet down. In the wintertime, it was cool enough. He hung there all night. He Got him up big enough so the hound dogs didn't chew on him. And then load him down in the morning, and he commenced to skin him, right? Now, y'all know this. So he's already, we already, you know, split the rib cage. And so what's the one thing, if a deer's hanging up, what's the one thing that always gets in your face? It's the leg, right? Because you're trying to cut the skin here and the legs. Slapping you in the face. Maybe this is the reason why everybody hangs them upside down. I don't know. <clears throat> so you took a string, you strapped it around both legs, and you pulled it around behind. So then your deer is like this, split down the middle. Now, when I was reading this on the airplane the other day, I got to thinking about that. So here's your deer split down the middle. 
What does it say? He took them all down, placed each piece opposite the other. So then that means he took the ram and laid it out like this, then took, what was it, a ram, a, a heifer, and a female goat. So he took them all, so they would have been laying, pointed feet to feet, laid out like this. Pretty good example of the cross, wouldn't you think? Of Jesus being laid out as a sacrificial lamb for us. So they're laying out like this. God says, do this. Cut them in pieces because I'm going to show you. You're asking me a question. Look back. Verse 8. How shall I know that I will inherit it? In other words, how are you going to confirm your word, Lord? What are you going to do for me that's going to confirm that what your word says is true? He said, okay, we're we're going to have a covenant ceremony. Verse 11. So then the vultures come. Ah, yeah, the devil, he always wants to get in the middle of it and mess everything up. But Abraham drove them away. The moment God's word comes to you, okay, it's, it's not abnormal for the enemy to come, the vultures to come immediately to try to steal it from you because he does not want you to get faith in whatever God's word says to you because he knows this is how it works. He knows that if you ever put faith into believing what God said, it's going to happen in your life. Even if that's the most wildish, outlandish thing you've ever had. Two people like have not had a child are going to have be a father of many nations. Or if he comes to you and says, I, you're reading in the word and, 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 and uh, the word speaks to you and says, God wants to abundantly prosper you. And you say, oh, yeah, I know, but Lord, how? I'm going to show you. Why? I'm going to show you how you can stand on that today in faith. Because what he said to you is no different than what he said to Abraham. The process is the same. So God says, you want some proof? Let me give you something here. We're going to have a covenant ceremony. He lays the carcass out, but the devil comes immediately. He wants to steal it. The vultures come and want to all the carcass off. Immediately the vultures come into your life and want to say that what Jesus did on the cross is not enough for you. It happened thousands of years ago. You don't know what happened. You weren't there. You didn't really see it. It's not really true. This is just the Bible. Some man wrote this thing. They just wrote this to keep this in everybody in order. They just did this. They start to come in all these words. They're vultures to steal the word from you because if you have faith in it, God's going to have an effect in your life. So then he goes down here. Now, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham, and, and, and behold, horror and a great darkness fell upon him. That's life without Jesus. You don't know why the world's so crazy today? Because they're living in darkness and horror. Folks, listen to me. We're, we're born again, faith-filled, Holy Ghost Christians. And even sometimes when I sit around, I think, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And I'm a born again, Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled, Bible-believing Christian. I can't imagine what it's like not having Jesus told on to I can't imagine laying back in bed and saying, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. I just know you're going to be with me, so we're going to walk through and everything's going to be okay. I don't know what when somebody doesn't have that confidence. What do they have? Horror and darkness. There's nothing there, okay? So then it goes on. It says, and he said to Abraham, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in the land that, not theirs, uh, that is not theirs and will serve them, and they will afflict you 400 years. And also a nation whom they serve, I will, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Now, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. 
That's a good word to hang on to. But in the fourth generation, they shall return for the iniquities of the Amorite is not yet complete. So it came to pass, I'm in verse 17, it came to pass that when the sun went down and the darkness, behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those parts. Now, folks, listen. <laughs> See, what happens is a lot of times our imagery gets wrong. If you say to me a smoking oven, Ladies, if I say to you a smoking oven, what does that mean? You left the toast in the oven and it's burning, right? Or you're smoke, you've reached over there and pull it and smoke comes out. It's a smoking oven, right? I mean, because that's just where we live today. But you know, the, the priest, like a Catholic priest or whatever, they have little incense burners and stuff like that, and they're out like smoking ovens. But I just want to show you something. There was two things that walked through making this covenant, the smoking oven and the burning torch, right? So I want you to just think in your mind about a smoking oven being a, uh, a fiery, you know something's wrong, right? It's smoking. And that smoking oven represents the wrath of God because that's what was against mankind, was the wrath of God. They're going to make this covenant. There's two things walking through the midst of it, the wrath of God and the burning torch representing Jesus. The burning light that's coming out to everyone to have the revelation of God's word that they can have faith in it and walk in it. So they walk through this thing. There's two things walking between these pieces of the imagery of Jesus stretched out. The wrath of God, which should be poured out upon all mankind because all mankind was guilty. And the promise of the light of God coming into the world, the burning torch, so that all men could be redeemed. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. He made a covenant. He did all of this to make a covenant with Abraham. So God Almighty himself passed through the deal. God Almighty in the form of the wrath of God, God Almighty in the form of the light of God, passed through the covenant animals to make a covenant with Abraham saying, look, I'm going to show you a sign that you're going to have forever, this covenant. Are you following me? Okay, go over to the book of Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6. Verse 9, but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you, yes, things accompanying salvation, things that accompany salvation, right? You see it, things that accompany salvation, things that come with salvation, some of the benefits of salvation. So then obviously, getting saved is not the only thing, getting to heaven. There's benefits that accompany salvation. Do you see what I'm saying? There's things that come along with there's There's perks. <laughs> perks to salvation. And why is it? Because there's a covenant. Our covenant is in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Your sin's forgiven. That's our covenant. We didn't have to have a, a, a heifer and a ram and a goat cut up. We got Jesus on the cross for us. His blood was poured out for us. That's our sign of covenant. And he says, if you just think of this, it's so simple, it's easy to miss. God has simply said, okay, I'm going to do this covenant with Abraham. I'm going to show you some types and shadows. The real covenant's coming later. The burning torches are going to go to the cross. So Jesus is on the cross, stretched out on the cross. The Lamb of God on on, on uh, the Hanging up there as a, as, as a sacrifice of God, right? 
carries his blood to heaven, pours it out so that the wrath of God, the burning oven, the smoking oven, is put out. No wrath for everyone that would believe in Jesus. He says, that's it. Now, make it simple. Anybody that believes in you, they're in with perks. Go to 6.1, Hebrews 6.1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles. Everybody say elementary principles. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. And of the doctrine of baptisms, of the laying on of hands, of resurrection of dead and eternal judgment. He says, and he lists those right there, as elementary principles. What I'm preaching to you tonight is an elementary principle. So that's like us getting together and you saying, look, I've got something to teach you all tonight. If you take one and, and you add it to one more, that is two. And everybody goes, If Johnny has one apple and Sally has one apple and you, they put their apples together, that's two apples. Ah, it's mind-blowing. Two apples. It's not that elementary principles. So then you're going to go more. And then Sally has two apples and she meets with Mary, who has two apples. They put their apples together. That's four apples. And everybody screams, ah, four apples. Oh, my God, four apples. Elementary principles, right? Paul says, listen to this. Let us go into perfection or maturity, not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works of faith, towards God on the doctrine of baptisms, the laying on of hands of resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Those are elementary principles. He says, let us go on down, be confident of better things, verse 9, concerning you, yes, things that accompany salvation. All I'm saying is, in this message tonight, we got to come to a place where we believe God's word so much that we quit dealing in the elementary principles of trying to believe God's, what his word said is true. And we go on in life and grow up into maturity so that we step out of that. So we're not even dealing with repentance from dead works. I mean, what are we talking about? This, why we, you know, and we're just going on. Things that accompany, we're into the perks. Not the elementary, one plus one is two. Two plus two is four. Okay. For God is not unjust, in verse 10, to forget your work or your labor of love, which you have shown in his name, that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. For we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. For when God made a promise to Abraham, he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. He's talking about the covenant God made with Abraham. We're just reading in that, that he takes place in Genesis 15, 16, 17. He could swear by no greater, so he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessings I will bless you and multiply, I will multiply you. 
So after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. And men indeed swear by greater and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all disputes. Thus God determined to show the more immutability of the, to the heirs of the promise, the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, which it is impossible for God to lie. God confirmed it. He said it and he confirmed it. And he can't lie. So then, are you blessed or not? If God said, I'm going to bless you, because wait a minute, whoa, whoa, okay, so I just heard somebody didn't believe me. I, I, I just ran through my head. Somebody didn't believe me. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3. Somebody said, oh, 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, who has written curses to everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. In Christ Jesus, and we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Wait a minute. God made a covenant with Abraham, told him a type and shadow, cut them all up. The vultures came. He went through, smoking oven, burning torch, comes up to the New Testament. Jesus goes to the cross for us. He dies for us. He says in Galatians 3.13, Apostle Paul says it's the same thing, so that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles also, because he's made the, it's, it's what happened then, it's now happening now. The writer of Hebrews comes in here and says, look, God said y'all are blessed with Abraham right here, so you're blessed and you can't be cursed. And God not only confirmed it, but he confirmed it by two things. He made an oath, and then he gave you a covenant saying, you're blessed. So then the truth of the matter is, folks, you can't be cursed. The truth of the matter is, you can't be stopped. Truth of the matter is, we need to go on into maturity of the things of life, the, the perks of salvation. Instead of dealing with the elementary principles, we move on. That's what we're supposed to be doing, moving on. Amen. Whatever comes your way, you look at it and say, man, you're messing with the wrong person. I'm blessed. Come whatever comes your way, you say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I don't, know what's going, I don't know what you're doing, but I just know that I have faith in God and whatever God's word says is true, so you can't stop me. I, I'm sorry, this, this can't go this way. And so it looks like it's going to go that way. And you say, well, listen, it doesn't really make any difference what it's going to go on because I just don't want to come out of it blessed because I can't be cursed. No matter what happens, I can't be cursed. I can't, it can't get on me. It can't grab hold of me. It can't latch hold of me. It can't stick on to me. I, no matter what, no matter if it looks like if I'm Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going into the fire, it doesn't really make any difference because I'm blessed. I'm going to come out with no, no smoke. Amen. He said, yeah, but look at the furnace. That's, what we, that's where the vultures come in to steal the faith from you because you want to look at the furnace. Look how hot the fire is. You see what he did to those guys? I'm not those guys. Folks, I want to tell you something. When you'll come to the place in life and quit dealing with the elementary things and move on to the perks and you'll stop thinking about what happened to somebody else because you're not somebody else, you're you. Amen. Glory. Oh, they were big believers. Were they? We don't know what they were doing. Were you living with them 24-7 and you're right there and you knew what was going on in their head? I'm just saying, don't, don't, don't throw yourself in there. Don't, don't put you, don't, don't let that ride on you. You're you. You can grab hold of the Word of God by faith, and you can run with it. You can be the Gideon, right? No matter what the odds are, you, you, you're you. You say, I just don't know if I can. Well, then you're just saying you can't believe what God said is true. You're just not, you're just not believing. You're just not, you just don't want to. You, you'll take some things, but you just can't take others. Right? So this kind of like really hits me between the eyes because when I start reading this about the elementary things, like, you know, I have to admit that when I was in high school, my job in school was to get out of school, okay? I just wanted to fulfill the requirement, get my graduation certificate, 
and graduate high school, and that was it. That was all I wanted to do. I just wanted to get out. I didn't want to. I didn't really want to learn. I didn't need to learn because I was. I thought I had my future was set. I thought I was going to go right on into carry out the ranching tradition in the family. I already was making money. I was already doing big and going and blowing, so there was no need for school for me. So I took four years of related math because I went in the first day to the algebra class and said. I don't think so. I went to the principal's office and said, what else can I take? And so I took four years of related math. So literally, he's the, 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 the principal of the high school was a teacher, and I remember him sitting there saying, if Joe had seven pancakes and Sally had five, I mean, that was it. I went to four years of that. Never did the hard stuff, okay? But I don't want to stand the elementary things of God. I do not want to live in the elementary place of God. So I'm thinking about the whole time I'm, I'm on this, he's giving me this message. I'm thinking about, I said, okay, Lord, what else? Man, holy cow. What, what's out there? So then I start thinking, listen to me, folks. Let me just tell you this. There is factual in the Bible, the ability to translate from one place to another. It's all over the Bible. There's the ability to make iron swim. I mean, these are some of the things in the Bible we just look and say, oh, yeah. <laughs> but when you're sitting on an airplane miserable, you start seeing a place for translation. Right? Beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> so I don't, I don't even, I can't even sit here tonight and tell y'all the perks. I mean, we could sit here and come up with some things. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing some wild ones out there. But I'm just saying, to a point and a place in life, I don't want to live in the elementary places. I want to go on with God. I want to see, I want to see myself live to the potential that God's got for me. And I think we all should be that. Right? We all should be at the place where we want to live to the fullest potential that God has for us. Whatever that be. Amen? Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.